When I was uh, in high school, my sister got a dog. She had been asking for a cat for a long time, and my father refused to own a cat. And so she finally switched and asked for a dog, and he quickly complied for fear that she would go back to wanting a cat. And so uh, when we first got this, this beagle, it was about that big. It was just a, a tiny little thing. And so we had to, to feed it like seven times a day or something ridiculous like that, and you would feed it a teaspoon at a time. And, and as that dog grew, we grew more and more attached to the dog, and the dog grew more and more attached to us. And so when I think of excitement in my mind, I think of that beagle. Her name was Trooper, and when I went to college, after a few years, I, I left for college, and I came back on Christmas break, and I said, hey, and I walked in the door, and as I came up the stairs of my parents' split level and got to the top of the stairs, the dog saw me and went, and ran, and just, I mean, laps around the living room. And down the hall, and back again, and around, and just barking, and howling, and running laps. I mean, we had to, she was going off the couch, because she was banking her turns. And so it was one, one jump up onto the seat, onto the back of the couch, back to the seat, back down onto the floor, and around the, again. And it probably seven or eight laps before she came to a screeching halt right in front of me so that I could pet her, and her whole body is just quivering. And I thought, that, that is just how I want to be greeted every time. <laughs> the excitement and the passion in that dog. M- my kids get that same way sometimes. We'll, we'll say, hey, your cousins are coming over. Cousins! And they're running up and down the hall, and they're bouncing off the walls, and they're cheering, and they're waving their hands, and doing who knows what else. Hopefully not breaking things, but just lots of noise and excitement and and motion with the whole body expressing excitement. And I think, when is the last time I got that excited about anything? Well, just now, right? (laughs) But that's just mimicking. I mean, when was the last time that I got so excited about something, my whole body was just quivering with excitement, and my arms were getting ready to pump, and I was shouting, right? When when was the last time that happened for you? This morning, I want to read this psalm to you, and I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to go back and look at it in in pieces, and just, just listen to the excitement In this psalm, Psalm 47, to the choir master, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. Selah. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth, sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations, God sits on His holy throne. The princes of the peoples gather as the people of God, as the people of the God of Abraham. 
For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. He starts off, clap your hands, all peoples. Clap your hands. No, we, we clap, right? There are times that we, we applaud. Well done. The, clap your hands. All you, okay, we're going to try. We're going to try this. Okay, we're just going to clap. We're going to clap vigorously and loudly. Okay, ready? That was pretty good. That was pretty good. My my goal for this morning, I was really disappointed when I was reading Psalm 47 and realized that this is the first week that the kids are next door and not in with the Psalms. How is it? What poor scheduling that we had lament after lament all summer with sadness after sadness while the kids were in here with us. And then we get to the rejoicing psalm and we put them next door. So my goal for this morning is that at some point this morning we are going to be so loud that the children next door after the service come and go, what was going on in church this morning? Because that's what this is doing, right? Clap your hands, all people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Shout to God with songs. Can you, can you even picture shouting in song? You know, I, I have had uh, feedback about worship before. I have never once had the feedback, you know, our worship is just way too quiet. Could we turn it up? And make our worship a little bit louder, maybe a lot louder. I don't think I have once in 10 years ever gotten that feedback. But here, that's exactly the kind of thing that they're saying. There's, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. How do we know that we're excited about something? It gets louder and louder. When, when you're around family and they're really excited to see each other and they start talking, you'd start talking a little bit like this and then you people start talking a little bit louder because they get excited about something and then they're telling you more and more and you can hear the, the pace picking up and the voice, the volume is rising and now those people are excited too and so they're almost, you're almost shouting back and forth to each other just because you're excited and now everybody's trying to compete with everybody else in getting their voice heard. And what he's saying here is, clap your hands, all peoples, shout to God with loud songs of joy. Loud songs of joy. I I know some of you grew up in churches like I did, where we sang the hymns, uh, verses 1, 3, and 5. Because uh, if we sang 2 and 4, it would make it too long. And we would, we would sing those things, and, and um, we would not raise our hands. Because there were other churches that raised their hands and we weren't sure that they believed the gospel. And so we made very sure that we held our hymnals and sang nicely. Because if I didn't sing nicely, mom or dad would, on the back of the head... If I was doing, moving too much, wiggling too much, no, we stand, 
we sing. Sometimes we sit and sing. That was even better. Very safe. And sometimes I think we get into to church here and we kind of bring this mentality that we have all these inhibitions and we're looking at other people and we're going, you're not going to raise your hands, right? Because I feel really exposed if I get my hands above like here. Here's okay. This, this is, I, I might be able to pull off one of these. But if I do like this, I feel really exposed all of a sudden, like I'm drawing attention to myself because nobody else is doing this. Why is that? Why are we so inhibited as adults in expressing ourselves in worship toward God? That we, we wouldn't want to use our whole bodies. There's times that the music is going and I want to move. And I am just not confident enough in my dance moves and sitting in the front row here that I would actually do that. But I'm thinking about setting up a dance area back there. When we get excited about stuff, really passionate, really excited about something, you lose all inhibition. That's why kids are so great at celebrating. They didn't have any inhibitions to start with. But... When you're like at a game or something, this is the closest thing I can think of. Because at a game, it's okay to celebrate with your whole body. And so when you're in the Timbers Army, you can be moving and you can be singing loudly the whole time. In fact, there, it's not okay to sit. Seriously, I don't know why you pay for the seats. You are not allowed to sit. If you sit, they'll go, get out. Go sit over there. You can't be in the army if you're sitting. You have to be standing and singing the whole time. Moving, singing, cheering, chanting. And then when the ball goes in the net, yes! Then everybody goes crazy. And cannons fire. And there's smoke. And everybody's cheering. And nobody looks around going, what are you doing? Everybody knows why you're cheering. Everybody knows why, why you're celebrating. It's the expectation that you would do that. But somehow, when we come here, we feel like in this room we're not allowed to do that. Well, let me tell you, uh, two weeks ago when we had sports camp here, there was loud activity and noise. There was a, a song, I almost brought it this morning, but I decided not to. We, we, it's called The Cray Button. Do you want to know what happens when you hit the cray button? I guarantee the whole place starts jumping. Those are the lyrics. And it gets, it gets loud. And people are jumping and dancing. And we hit the cray button and kids go crazy. In here, excited to be here in God's presence as part of camp. And I'm looking at you. And you don't look like you're about to go crazy. You're looking at me like I might. I may have already gotten there. <laughs> go ahead.
Okay. Okay, you're not ready for that yet. I can tell because somehow that came on and nobody flinched. It's remarkable. We'll see if we can get you to flinch by the end of the service. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with loud songs. Why? Verse 2. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. Why are we so excited? Why do we get loud? Why do we clap our hands? Why do we shout with joy? It's because the Lord, our God, is the Most High and is to be feared. He is the great king over all the earth. Think of that. God is the great king over all the earth. Over all the earth. There are good kings. There are bad kings. There are decent kings. There are kings with small kingdoms and kings with big kingdoms. But our God is the most high, the God of all the earth. He is the king over all the earth. The whole thing. And so we should shout and go crazy, clap our hands and sing with loud songs of joy because He's over the whole earth. Do you ever find yourself going, who is in charge here? Whether it's, it's a business organization or maybe the sports team that you're rooting for, that you go, who is in charge here? What are you doing? Or, or somebody who's in charge of a nation and you just think, what? why is this happening? Why do we allow these things to go on? God is the king of all the earth. When all of those little kings and little uh, authorities and rulers and bosses and things, you, you just look at them and think, what? I don't know what you're doing or why you would be doing this. We just have to remember, God is the king of all the earth. Ultimately, they are not in charge. They are not in charge. Ultimately, God is in charge. And that's very, very good news for us. Because all of the little rulers that rule their little kingdoms, however large they may be, are not very good rulers. Even the good ones aren't that good. But God is in charge. God is in charge of all the earth. He subdued peoples under us, it says, and nations under our feet. As, as the, the psalmist here is, is preparing and getting ready and, and singing, what he's thinking of specifically is the nation of Israel. And he's thinking about how great God is. He's thinking of how great God is because God said, I'm going to take you, you little tiny pathetic people who are not actually even a nation, and I am going to make you into a great nation. I am going to give you a land that's your own, and I'm going to be the one that drives out the people in front of you. I know that right now you are in slavery in Egypt, but I'm going to deliver you from there. And I'm going to bring you to a great, great new land flowing with milk and honey that's going to be beyond your wildest dreams. And I'm going to let you take over that land. It's currently occupied, but I'm going to take care of that for you. 
And so as he's thinking about this, he's, he's thinking very realistically about what God has done for them. God is the king over all the earth. There were all these other kings and nations, and they weren't even a nation. And God said, I'm going to take you out of slavery from that nation and bring you into this new location and get rid of all the other nations that are there so that you can be here. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob whom he loves. Think about that. Selah. Think about that. Now he's writing and writing this song for the people of Israel. And he's going, do you know how we got here, people? God did that. Do you know why we're standing here today? God did that. That's why we are here. So clap and shout and sing. Because God is is God over all the earth and has brought us to this place. God has gone up, verse 5. God has gone up with a shout The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. This morning, I really wished I had a trumpet. I have a shofar, which is a a horn from Israel, and I tried to blow it this week, and it was so pathetic, I decided it would be worse if I brought it than better. But the thing about trumpets is trumpets are loud. Really loud. They bring lots of noise. And so... When he's saying this, he's saying God has gone up. The Lord, with the sound of the trumpet, there was this huge noise, and up came the Lord. I want to read this from Exodus chapter 19. This is after the Lord has brought them out of Egypt, and before He has brought them into the nation, the the land of Israel. And He is, is making His covenant with them on Mount Sinai. On the morning of the third day, There were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in the thunder. And the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. And the Lord called to Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. This is one of their first experiences with God. God has has done the plagues in Israel and has brought them out through the Red Sea and is leading them. But now God is revealing himself to them. And He's going to reveal Himself to them in the commandments. And this is uh, who I am and how you will relate to Me. But in His doing this, He shows them just some of His mighty power. And they tremble and quake before Him. As the sounds of the trumpets blast and blare in their ears. And the whole mountain shakes. And there's smoke all about. And God speaks to them through the thunder. And they just tremble and go, Moses, you go. You go. 
Because we cannot stand in His presence and live. And so you go, and whatever you tell us, we will listen, because we can see the power of God, but we don't want to see the whole thing. So Moses goes up the mountain and he speaks with God, and when he comes back down, his face is so radiant, he has to cover it. Because the, the God of all the earth has called them to be His people and He has gone up with the shout, He has gone up with the sound of the trumpet and He is glorious. And so the sons of Korah as they're writing the psalm are, are, are giving us these pictures of these trumpets and these sounds and they're reminding them that this is God, the King of all the earth who is present in this place. Years later, uh, the... Um, they had the Ark of the Covenant. This is where God has given His covenant and they, they put the covenant in the Ark and it marked the presence of God. And David goes to bring the, the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. And they get so excited because this represents the presence of God coming into the nation of Israel right to the capital, right up to the Holy Mount. And it was told King David, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because, the ark, because of the ark of God. And so David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox on a fattened animal. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn. With shouting and with the sound of the horn. The presence of God as represented in the ark of the covenant comes into Jerusalem. And David, the king, is so excited... So excited that God's presence is here, that God is the King of Israel, that He is dancing. He's dancing. He's, he's just, with all of His might, excited. I, I, as I think of this, I, I, there's a hybrid in my mind of my, the beagle running laps around the, the living room and David just dancing before the Lord and you just go, that is ridiculous. That's the king. That's the king. In fact, his wife saw it and chastised him and went, You're the king! What are you doing? You are supposed to be respectable and respected. That wasn't respectable. That was ridiculous. You lost control of your body. You're dancing like a wild man. Kings shouldn't behave that way. But David knew. David knew what the presence of God amongst his people meant. He knew it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who I am. So I'm the king. So what? I am excited because God is the king and he is in this place. And so he danced before the Lord with all of his might. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. How many times can they say that over and over again? 
Sing praises, sing praises, sing praises, sing praises, sing praises with a psalm. At some point, even the, the most like staunch person is going, you know, I think they want us to sing. I, I do believe that at this point we should now stand and sing. Sing praises to God. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. Sing praises uh, literally with a, a maskil. Right? We've talked about maskils. That's a psalm of instruction. We're not supposed to completely lose our minds. This is a, a, a sing with a, a psalm of instruction that we are praising with our whole being, our mind, our heart, our body, everything together, praising God and acknowledging how great He is. Because He is the King. And so when we engage our minds in that, it fuels the energy and the rejoicing of our bodies and our voices. There are some, some people, I think, that, that hesitate to sing because they don't feel very confident in their voices. They're afraid that if I sing, someone might hear it. And the last time I sang in such a way that someone heard it, they encouraged me that that shouldn't happen again. And so then when I get into this fairly public place and we're encouraged to sing, I'm going to make sure... That my voice is not heard. As long as it sort of mixes and blends with the sea of voices, that's okay. But there is no way I want to belt this out in such a way that it might be accidentally heard by the person sitting next to me. I don't want them to be able to distinguish my voice from the voices that are around, lest they recognize, oh, that is their voice. There's nothing in here about that. It's just... Be loud. Sing passionately. Sing praises to God. Sing praises to our King. But we're inhibited. Even at the times when our minds are engaged with the truth that God is King and God is on the throne, even at that time that our mind goes, wow, this really is exciting. And our heart begins to get excited and we begin to think that we should start to move. Then we see the people around us and we don't. But we got to move. We got to get excited. We have to sing with passion. Because I'm afraid that otherwise what ends up happening is we see the people around us and we become inhibited because we fear the people around us and what they might think. And when we inhibit our response, it begins to inhibit our very understanding of who God is. When we don't allow ourselves to respond to God as we truly understand Him to be, we begin to understand Him to be other than He actually is. Smaller. Lesser. Weaker. 
because we're prioritizing the people that are around us or our own inhibitions rather than looking and seeing it is God. Verse 2, For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared, a great King over all the earth. So then verse 6, Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises, for God is the King of all the earth, sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations, God sits on His holy throne. The alternatives to that just are so not okay. If God is not reigning from heaven over everything, sitting on a holy throne, then what we're left with is all of these little people on their little thrones arguing, fighting, struggling for power, trying to uh, win and conquer and exert influence for whatever their priorities might be. But God is set apart in a special way. And He is on His throne and whatever they might throw at one another, they're just like children squabbling over a game. Because the presence of the Lord is in the whole earth and He reigns from heaven. And so when we see the squabbling over the little games, we don't have to be afraid of that. We don't have to worry about that. God reigns. He is sovereign. He makes the rules and enforces them. And there are times because of His great patience that He allows them to have their squabbles. But ultimately it will not be so. Ultimately He will step in with justice and the whole world will be under His control as it should be. His will be done on earth in the same way as it is in heaven. That's what it will mean for His kingdom to come in a complete way. In Matthew chapter 21, Jesus has been out and teaching people and performing miracles and doing all kinds of things. And as he now comes uh, to Jerusalem, preparing for his sacrifice, preparing for his death. As he comes in, it says, Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had directed them, and they brought the donkey and the colt and put, them, put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. And most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him behind were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. 
And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Jesus came entering and they gave him a king's welcome. Praise God! Praise God! And they're singing and they're shouting and they're rejoicing as he enters into the city. Very similarly to the way that the ark of God was brought into the city and and there was all of the rejoicing. But what was Jesus coming to do? He was coming to die on the cross. They were looking at him and going, maybe this could be the Messiah. Maybe this will be the great king, the the son of David, who will come and reign in Jerusalem. And there will be peace in all the earth because he will reign there. And they were right. That's who he was. But the way that he would fulfill it was completely foreign to them. They expected that there would be an uprising and he would be the king and they would anoint him and he would rule in peace from Jerusalem. And instead what happens is he comes in and he tells them, this is who I am and this is what I've called, what I have come to do. I have come to reconcile you with God. And in order for that to happen, I must die in your place. And even his closest followers could not get their minds around that. We thought this was going to be the Messiah. We thought this was the time. We thought He was going to reign. We thought we were no longer going to be under these other authorities, but we would have our own King and we could rejoice. And instead, He was put on the cross and killed. Because in doing that, victory was declared. Victory over sin. Victory over death. Jesus' death paid for the sins of all who would believe in Him. All those who would repent and believe in the coming kingdom of God. And when he rose again from the dead, it demonstrated that he had conquered the final enemy. And that all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to him. And we are waiting for the day when all justice will be taken care of. But make no mistake... He is already sitting at the right hand of God the Father. He has already done the work. He is already the great King. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Isn't that amazing? 
All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. Even the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He has now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which Paul has become a minister. Jesus is before all things. And through him all things were created and all things are sustained. And he has now reconciled us to himself. So that when we go back to Psalm 47, this is why. We sing praises to our God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on His holy throne. The princes of the people gather as the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. And He has done this through the death and resurrection of Jesus, which brings us now into His kingdom. Transferred from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. The great kingdom of the great King who is ruling from heaven. So when you see that you come home and the dog grows crazy because, hey, my people are home. Or when the family comes over and the kids go crazy because, hey, the family is home. Or you want to see adults go crazy, lose all their inhibitions? Watch the homecoming videos of service people. And suddenly, adults don't care who's watching or whatever. They are so excited when the service person comes home. Yes! You're home! And they jump and they hug and they cheer and they cry. Because they know the significance of the homecoming. And we have a great king who has come home, who is ruling in his throne, and he is our God. And so we rejoice. So you gotta get up. You have to get up. And you have to rejoice. Please play the cray button and let's see if there is any movement. They're ready.
you hit the cray button. Okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> we are going to, this is going to sound strange, but we are going to celebrate communion now. Okay? And I want you to remember that though we often celebrate communion with a reflection on our sin and our, the sadness of that, that it cost Jesus His life to save us from our sin. That the reality is that in that was His conquering moment. And He is now, because of His death and resurrection, reigning as King. And so the communion celebration is a celebration. And so this morning, we are going to take communion as a celebration. So during the next song, if you would come up and take the cup and the, the bread back to your seat, and we will uh, celebrate communion all together uh, after this song. So, Father, we praise you. We ask for your grace this morning that we might know the full joy of your salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.